Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Philbin, financial coach, accredited financial counselor, certified money coach, and founder of the 4,000 Person Strong Financial Coaches Community Facebook group. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. I'm a tenured professor, a serial entrepreneur, a certified financial planner, and I run a nonprofit organization that provides financial planning resources to over 100,000 families each year. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal coaching business. I'm Garrett Philbin, the founder of the Financial Coaches Community, and I am here with my co-host, Joshua Escalante Troche. Joshua, how are you today? Quite well, quite well. Watched all my trees get torn out of my backyard, but what? Yeah, they're, they're, they're all the just all but but two of the mature trees, which was like twenty eight trees. So why are you being so mean to nature? What has it ever done for us? <laughs> <laughs> that was clever. Yeah. Well done. Hold well on. Uh, partially because we're putting in a pool, partially because I am replacing all of the slowly over time, all of the non food producing vegetation with either food producing vegetation, some cosmetic vegetation around the pool. And a while back, we put in a back house as well. So I'm just replacing a bunch of stuff is what it comes down to. Gotcha. It's either food producing or you're out. Come on now. You got to have a purpose. Three three things. Food producing, cosmetic for the uh, leisure area backyard, or money producing. Those are the three. That's it. (laughs) If it's not doing one of those three in the backyard, it's not not in the backyard. You're out of (laughs) here. I was like, I can tell you have have something up your sleeve you're going to say. I was like, what's number three going to be? What is number three? Money producing. So uh, what are those three? Well, I feel like in this group, that's a very appropriate thing to say. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure most people were probably like, what? How are you putting in a pool? That's what, okay, money producing. Okay, I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as the golden goose can also forage off of the uh, vegetation, then we're yes. good to go yes. as well. Well, here we go. Now back to the lecture <laughs> at hand. Today, what we are covering is what to do when clients aren't following through on recommendations or homework. Mm-hmm. And if you are a newer coach or someone who hasn't started coaching yet, newsflash, this will happen to you. It happened to me a fair amount, getting a lot better, or I should say have gotten a lot better, but certainly not perfect. And this is something that can be really, really frustrating as, I mean, a coach of any stripes, right? No matter how new or veteran you are. You know, we're here. We want to make changes in people's lives. I got into this because I was so freaking excited to help people feel more confident and take control of their money and then give them things to do or say, hey, here's what you can do in between this meeting and next. That's where a lot of the magic happens. And it doesn't happen. And it's frustrating, uh, sometimes disheartening. You know, we get I'll speak for myself. I got attached to the outcome I want clients to have, which is part of the problem that I'm sure we'll go into. And yeah, you can't completely make sure that it doesn't happen again, but there are definitely things that you can do in order to help minimize how often it happens. So that's what we're going to dive into today. And I don't know who said it yet, but someone said they have raspberry bushes and are looking to expand that kind of thing in their backyard. 
God, uh, let's Rousey. let's start a, a conversation in a post somewhere in the coaches community. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe that's what we should do today. Take pictures of your fruit producing vegetation and share. That's our new Thursday yeah. weekly post. <laughs> All right. Well, where do you want to dive in? So let's start with your initial reactions, right? And most likely, the initial reaction you're going to have to that is a bad idea, right? So. By initial reaction, you mean client comes to the, you start the session, client shows up, you're like, hey, how are you doing today? A little small talk. All right, let's look at what homework was done or let's take a look at the last session assignments. And they're like, I didn't do it. Nothing. Yeah. Crickets. Okay. Yeah. And this could be, you know, homework assignments you gave them or take that extra $500 bonus that you got and pay off your, your credit card with it, pay off $500 of your credit card with it. And they're like, yeah, you know, we decided to do sushi instead, right? Yeah. So what, whatever it is, whether it's just like a practical thing that you wanted them to do or more the homework assignment as part of your process, right? Either way. <laughs> so the, your initial reaction is probably going to be one of a few different things, right? Number one, you may get frustrated or angry. Mm-hmm. Been there. You may feel like a failure. Like you somehow screwed it up. Been there too. You may get, you may double down on pushing the client. Why didn't you do that? This is the type of thing that is how you got into this situation, right? Shaming is always a great tactic. Yep. yep. <laughs> and you may go into lecture mode of why you need to do X, Y, or Z. Mm, haven't. Yeah, that's not usually what I would ever lead with, but sometimes would get on that track. Not not a super helpful one. Yeah. And all of those are not going to be, yeah, like you said, super helpful to do the process. It's going to make you feel better, right? <laughs> I mean, that's why I got into coaching in the first place. Come right, on. Your own personal feelings, yeah. Ego troop, <laughs> ego yeah. boost. But it's not going to move the needle on getting the client to a better place. And so the better thing that we want to do is Number one, take a deep breath and don't do anything. Our, our initial reaction is generally to respond to it because that's the human reaction to, to think to anything, right? Is we have a stimulus, we respond to that stimulus. Taking that deep breath and just staying silent allows for a couple of things. Number one, it allows you to process the emotions that you're having because you're going to have emotions related to that, right? And number two, it allows the client to sit with their statement, to be able to reflect on that statement. And both of those are going to be very helpful for what comes next, right? You know, you being able to process your emotions means that you're going to be able to enter into the next, that next stage, at least understanding where you are. So you're more likely to control the negative effects of the emotions that you have. And them sitting with and reflecting upon, yeah, I didn't do it, allows them to start to consider the implications of that, right? Yeah. And then the first thing out of your mouth should be, that's okay, right? Yeah. Because we don't want to jump into them sitting there. They're going to start feeling guilt. They're going to start feeling judged. They're going to start feeling like, are you mad at me? Right. So we want to address that. 
because none of those things are helpful. I know a lot of people try to guilt other people into doing things. Uh, yeah. That is a very short-term uh, set of, rea- of responses people will give to yeah. that. So we want to kind of take that away and then say, what happened? Right? Not what happened, you should have done this, but literally what happened? And you may even preface it. Oftentimes I'll preface it with, you know, I know a lot's going on in your life based on the conversations that we've had. You know, so it's understandable that there's going to be some hiccups. Not a big deal, but we want to understand those hiccups. So what happened? I like what happened because it sounds less accusatory than like, why didn't you do why it? Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. And no matter how gentle you try and say that, there's that word you in there. Yeah. Right? So like, did why it. didn't you, yeah, why didn't you do it? And that's just hard to finesse, no matter how good you are. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happened is a much easier way. It allows people to be able to explain it. It allows them and that pause kind of focuses them on what didn't happen anyway, without you pushing it forward. But what happened allows them to allows them to explore things both that were within their control and outside of their control. Right. Yeah. And just listen. Right. The most important thing in when a client doesn't follow your directions is understanding why. There is always a why. When a client says, oh, I don't know, I just didn't get around to it. No, that's not true. There is a reason why you didn't get around to it. Right. Yeah. It might be because, you know, they're, they're afraid of facing it. It might be because they're not ready to make the sacrifices that your plan that you've presented is, is requiring them to make. It might be because circumstances in their outside lives. It might be because the thing that they are dealing with, like if, they're, if you've made the recommendation to get quotes on life insurance, Maybe that's not a hugely enjoyable thing for them to think about. Right. No, I just want to consider my impending demise. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you think about all, you know, understanding the why behind it, that is going to be the most important thing for helping them to actually make that forward progress. It's also going to be the most important thing for you not to continually tell a client, bang your head against a wall. And then be curious about why the client doesn't want to follow your advice of banging their head against the wall. Right. Yeah. And this is a, this is really, really important because what we may see as, oh, that's no big deal. That could be a really big deal to a client. You know, I, I had a client who had some assets in Canada um, and the assets were absolutely completely a horrible idea for their finances right it, it like just from a ton of different perspectives not only was it holding back their objectives in the united states but it was causing cross border tax and and legal and other issues the problem was those assets were an inheritance from their father that died. 
this particular client, the only really good familiar relationship that they had was their father. And so if I were to aggressively, and for every legitimate right reason, financially, legal, tax, everything, right, push on, you need to get rid of these assets, so on and so forth. That is literally asking a client to bang their head against the wall and then me being mad that they're not going to do it because there is a huge emotional hurt attached to it. Hmm. Understanding that why now, ultimately, the client did divest, right? So assets are taken care of and everything else. But it would have never happened with me just pushing the recommendation or explaining why it's the right thing to do or going over again with them the legal implications that could be problematic, right? Yeah. There had to be a process for allowing them to process that, right? Yeah. To get through. And and curious, was there, if you remember any particular way that you brought up that conversation or were able to figure out how that was the issue or did that just kind of happen naturally over some sessions? So I knew how the assets came about because... I saw these Canadian assets and I said, ah, I, I know you got your, you're Canadian. Mm-hmm. Are you planning on moving back? Are you guys planning on retiring in Canada? What are these assets for? Okay. Notice this doesn't have any implications of whether they're good or not. It's just, you know, I just curious why they're there. Right. Yeah. Then that explanation came in. And then, so that gave me the background to know not to push on certain things. When I presented the recommendation, it was, here are the implications that these assets have, right? But, you know, you've stated that you haven't, you're not, you have no plans to move back uh, to Vancouver. You've stated that there is, that there's challenges with the currency fluctuations that you have to deal with, you know, and here are the other challenges with the assets as well. Uh, At the same time, all assets have challenges with them. So we're just sort of addressing the things that we would address with anything else. The benefits are not outweighing the challenges based on your current financial plan. So that doesn't mean that we need to get rid of the assets, but we will have to plan around them. And if you do ultimately want to get rid of the assets, it doesn't mean it has to happen now. Yeah, what I like about that, especially when you're, talking about or you talked about earlier not forcing clients into something is the way which that was phrased says look we can still achieve your financial plan we'll just be doing some things a little bit differently and that allows them to not feel like they're being pushed subtly towards making that decision and they can say okay now that i'm not like being backed into a corner that i don't want to be in around a decision okay there's another way to do it and oftentimes i've found within where there isn't that pressure, then, you know, not like I have a vested interest, but they, they oftentimes come to a decision faster versus just that knee jerk reaction of rejecting whatever you, you say. Yeah. And that's the, that's a really important thing to understand with anything with finances is there is never one way to do things. It's a big sort of, I don't know, grudge that I have against lots of certain people um, (laughs) where there's this philosophy of it's my way or the highway 
type thing with regards to how they make recommendations and other things along those lines. And the problem is that what that does is that my way, the highway, you're going to attract people that are okay with that. And you are going to fail everyone else. Yeah. It's good to get you syndicated with a large amount of uh, people potentially, you know, to have like very black or white statements or broad recommendations, but for one person or two people, you know, small number of people sitting across the table from you, not very helpful. Yeah. And so it is important that everyone has a financial helper, right? That you have this under, that you have a very realistic understanding that there is no one right way Mm -hmm. and that everything has implications so too does the quote unquote one right way have implications yeah. right? and we need to be willing and flexible enough to make alterate alterations. And that's kind of the next thing that we want to focus on with regards to if clients are not doing the things that we need them to do, can we make alterations? Can we make changes to the plan? Now, if a client is saying, I don't want to tell you about any of my goals or what I'm trying to achieve. That may be a non-starter because how am I going to be able to help you if I don't know what I'm helping you to do, right? At the same time, you know, your plan to have the credit cards paid off within six months, if that's a non-starter, okay, let's redo that and have it paid off within four years. And I know a lot of financial coaches right now are going, oh, my God, four years when we could have had it paid off in six months. But it's four years is better than never. Yeah. Right. And as a coach, it's helpful to reflect people's goals back to them or what they originally told you is important to them so that if they hear four years or even reflecting back the six months and just saying, you know, based on everything else that you want to do, how does that work for you? What does that feel like in terms of the priorities that we talked about and that you set out? Is that still in alignment with that? What else would you like to do? And then, like you said, being able to show what the implications are of doing it, paying off the debts instead in two years or four years or whatever that alternative recommendation is. But being able to present what the implications are, but not push them towards a specific option, which increases the pushback. Yeah. And that's one thing that I see commonly is that when people hear or say that they're reflecting back the goals of the client, oftentimes it's reflecting it back in a manipulative way. Right. Well, you said that you wanted to be out of credit card debt. Has that changed? Right. That could be a legitimate statement. Right. Because some people you said that you wanted to take a family vacation. Has that changed? Yeah. People's desires for family vacations change over time, right? You said that you love your children. Has that changed? That's a manipulative one. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so it's important that when we reflect back, it's not about, well, you said you wanted this. You can't get it if you don't follow these recommendations. One, that's manipulative. Two, that is not true. Because there are other ways to achieve that. And the... So the the better way is like what you were talking about was the implications, right? Which is, okay, so you said your goal was that. We're still on target for that, right? Perfect. We totally don't need to do that original plan. Okay. Here are two other plans and here are the timelines with those other plans. 
right? So this plan, you don't have to give up X, Y, or Z. This plan, you only have to give up X. And then of course the original plan. Are you, where are you at with regards to that giving up and those timelines? Yeah. And allow the client to choose because <laughs> ultimately they're the ones that are, they're the ones that have to live with those decisions. They need to take ownership of it. Yeah. yeah. And this is another thing that sometimes, especially with really aggressive recommendations, methods of recommendations can kind of get lost. I tell my students that, you know, when they turn in their budget for personal finance, I'm not going to be grading them based on, are they spending their money the way that I think they should be spending their money? Right. So they can put anything they want on there. In fact, I encourage them, if you have a drug habit, make sure you have a budget for it because you're not going to stick to your budget if you don't. I also tell them don't upload to the school's servers an assignment that says cocaine, right? Call it playing in the snow, right? <laughs> this guy, this yeah. is what I deal with. But, you know, I tell them, you know, you are the one that earns your money. I don't have a right to tell you how to spend it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you with understanding the best way to get to your goals and recommendations with relation to that. But I don't have a right to tell you that going out to sushi every Friday night is a poor way of spending your money. And I think that's an important concept that can get lost in the financial helping profession. It's the client's money. They earned it. They get to decide how to spend it. We definitely can make recommendations based on, you know, you said you have these goals. These are things that can help you get there. But ultimately, it is their decision with how they want to spend their money. 100%. Yeah. She had asked regarding changing the plan from six months to four years, for example, for paying mm -hmm. back the credit card debt. Does that mean you're going to have this person as a client for four years if that's the goal? Great question, depending on your process. <laughs> so, and that's true for me as well. Sometimes, so I have clients where I will work with them on their retirement planning, their tax planning, all the other things on an ongoing basis. I have other clients where I will do one-time projects for them. And that just sort of depends on what the client's looking for and what your your process looks like. I have greatly whittled down the one-time projects that I'm willing to do. <laughs> There's actually only three topics that I'm willing to do one-time projects for. And you know that's based on my, my process, how I want to operate my business. Um, that could be an implication. If we're gonna be doing this, then here's the plan and I'll work with you until you're in your habit for your plan. And then you're going to work on it for the next three years, right? It might also be, I'm going to work with you on it until you're in your habit in the plan. And then we're going to meet once a year for a check-in. That might be your process, right? Um, it might be, we're going to meet monthly, right? It, it just kind of depends on what you, how you want to structure your program with your clients. So that's an answer that's more about how you plan to deliver value. And whether or not you can deliver value over those four year period, or are you just dragging it out? Yeah. And the, sh the short answer is you don't have to. You're right. Saying, Here's what the plan would look like. Naturally, some things will likely change between now and the end of year four. 
with this plan, right? Like, I mm-hmm. think that you can set up a particular plan, but odds are in the next four years, something is going to change in their life. And so letting them know that if things are to stay the same, or here's how much money you would need to just continue to put aside, no matter what, for this particular goal. And then, yeah, exactly what Josh said. If that's in your process and the way you work with people, you can say yes, quarterly, semi-annually, annually. And if not, or I'll get you into the habit and you kind of just let that little energizer bunny run. Yeah. Correct. Whatever works for you. Yeah. What else would you like to touch on around this? If there's anything we haven't mentioned so far. I think the the last thing is, you know, realize that you may have to do more for certain clients than other clients. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as an example, I, I have some clients where we will, <laughs> I have clients where I will sit with them as they're filling out the paperwork, right? The, the digital paperwork. Yeah. And literally we just have a workshop session where normal meeting is canceled. Our normal programming is canceled. We have special programming. We're going to sit down and go through the paperwork together. And I am going to sit there while they fill out the paperwork and ask me questions on whatever questions they come through. And for some people, they find that wildly valuable. Oh my God, they love it. It's not about how valuable we think it is. They're just like, oh my God, I never would have gotten this done otherwise, right? This was super helpful. And I know in my mind, you know, the whole noticing what's coming up for you before you speak, in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, so much more could have been done. But it it's helpful for them. And at the end of the day, it's about the client and not about us. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, you'll sit down. I, you know, for my business owner clients, we're going through... Uh, the initial stages of looking at the financials for this year and projecting the financials for next year. For some of them, that is a two meeting process, right? We're going to look at last year's financials. I'm going to give them to fill out your projections for next year's budgets based on what we put together. And then we're going to go over the budgets next meeting. For others, it is a like six meeting process. Where, because we're going to sit down and, and instead of me giving them the assignment, we're going to sit down and go, you know, client by client, you know, it, are they continuing? Are they continuing? So that we can build out that budget and it just depends on the needs of the client. Now, keep in mind, there's a price difference for that service difference. <laughs> yes. But it is, it is, you know, clients may need more of your actual active effort. Than other clients would, and you have to you have to be willing to make that those changes. You know, sometimes you know financial coaches will say, "Well, I want my client to build their budget on their own because they need to take ownership of it." People don't need to build their budget on their own to take ownership of it. You can literally build the budget for them with you just asking questions along the way, and if they're giving the answers of yeah, this is the amount that I want to do, right? For you know, our alcohol budget, mm-hmm. they'll that that can be enough for them to take ownership of that decision because they still made the decision, right? The the one being the one to actually fill out the worksheet doesn't increase ownership necessarily. <laughs> yeah, and right. you know you can do that process, like Josh just said, with clients. You can 
be the one is the coach to kind of be their bookkeeper and categorize mm-hmm. as many of the transactions as you can on their behalf and send them reports that says, here's top spending in these top four or five categories. Here's what your month over month has been. And, you know, the, uh, if they get the results, right? I, I definitely agree that I, earlier on in my coaching, had more of that mindset where it's like the doing of the work means that there is more of an investment or there's more of an understanding. Whereas actually, mm-hmm. like, you know, as a business owner working with an accountant or a bookkeeper or someone who just says, hey, here's a, how much money you spent. Here's a quarterly review, semi-annual review or annual review, right? It's like, yeah. I don't have to categorize every transaction to just have someone to get the value, having someone do that and then present what the outcome of that is and how that will impact my decision-making is also really, really valuable and saves me a lot of time. So it can also be what is most important to your clients and saving time, but still getting, you know, the most important information could be a really valuable service. Almost everything I spend money on is about saving time. And there are lots of people that are like that, (laughs) right? Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. finding more and more of my clients are 